0: To hashtag travel talks. It's your podcast on the latest digital trends in travel and tourism marketing. And here's your host, Nolly Nicholas. So welcome to a new episode of Travelcast. And today I had the great pleasure to receive Alexandra. So welcome Alexandra.
1: Thank you, Nolly. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. So can you present yourself, please?
1: Sure. So my name is Alexandra. I'm living in Zurich in Switzerland. I'm Austrian by nationality, but have lived in a lot of different countries. I've been living in Switzerland now for a bit over six years. By background, I come from the banking industry. My expertise is mergers and acquisitions, and I'm specialized in financial institutions, or I used to be specialized on financial institutions until I decided to build a startup um, and moved into the travel and online industry, and that was about two to three years ago. Okay, and um,
0: I we met you at a um, say meetup in Zurich, and uh, at that time you had a, say a first startup. Now you create another one. So can you tell us why did you choose to quit your I would say day to day job into the banking industry for the travel industry?
1: Sure, that's a good question. So I really stumbled into this. This is nothing I had planned out. What happened is that I was still working in banking. And I was simply planning my next vacation, and that was four years ago now. And that vacation back then was a trip to Tanzania. I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, go on a safari, go scuba diving in Zanzibar, so do a classical Tanzania-East Africa trip. And I was totally excited about this upcoming vacation. And then I went online and wanted to book it. And it was an absolute nightmare. It was just completely uh, intransparent and so difficult to compare all the offers and and to find what I wanted and and to find my best tour operator and my best offer. And back then, just as a traveler and as a banker planning my next vacation, I was thinking, why is there no booking.com for these kind of experiences? So that was the first frustration I was having. But that wouldn't have encouraged me to leave banking and, and do something about it. Um, the more interesting part about um, why I decided to um, quit my job and move into startup is that I've become aware about the exploitation of porters on Mount Kilimanjaro. So my story is that I started to write a book about Madrid. And because I was writing a book, I did a lot more research, and that research uh, about Kilimanjaro made me aware of the porters working on Mount Kilimanjaro. And I became aware that they are being exploited to an extent that they don't get paid what they were promised. They sometimes only get one miserable meal a day for all the hard work. They um, may have substandard uh, equipment and gear that doesn't protect them against harsh mountain conditions, like when it rains and gets freezing cold or the intense sun near the summit. And in very extreme cases, when they fall sick or have an accident, they may not get assisted with descent. And so all of this I knew before I went there, um, just as out of curiosity because I was researching for my book. But I was still not very emotionally attached to the tool, um, um, yeah, to the tool venture. However, when I climbed Kilimanjaro, a lot of things happened. And one thing that touched me deeply was hearing the story from my own tour guide, from my own mountain guide who shared with me how when he was young and started to work as a porter on the mountain, he one day got sick and fainted. Um, He was high up, like in Switzerland, about the the height of the Matterhorn. Uh, You probably know that mountain in Switzerland. Yes. So he was about at this altitude, and he was wet and it was in the middle of the night. and, And because he was wet, because the rainwater was leaking into his tent, he didn't have dry clothes. He was trying to stay warm. And the next morning, um, instead of giving him fresh clothes or sending him back down when he was already all feverish um, and already quite sick, he was asked to continue working. And so he did. He kept carrying gear for climbers. Um, But uh, eventually he fainted because he was just too sick and too cold in his um, wet clothes on the mountain. And he fell into the snow and everyone else kept walking. And didn't help him. And he only survived by miracle because other people found him and saved his life. And so that for me made all my research that I had done for my book, all of a sudden it made these statistics and these facts, it made it very human. And I learned what it really means to not get assisted with this. And then I came back home and because I was writing a book, I did more research and I wanted to know what what lies is happening and what's going on. And then I had my third frustration, and that was that the companies responsible for all of that, when you go online and you check their TripAdvisor reviews, you check the information you find online, they look like the most ethical and responsible companies ever. And so I had these three frustrations. The first one, as a traveler, it was really difficult to book such a trip. The second one, learning about this exploitation. And the third one, that we travelers are not aware. Um, because of all that greenwashing and manipulative and wrong information out there. And so we keep booking vacations with companies who are responsible for that. So because of all these free frustrations, and most importantly, because of this exploitation that keeps going on without us knowing, that was really my big frustration and my big why, why I then eventually felt compelled that I have to do something about it.
0: Okay. And so that's why you decided to create your first startup, which, uh, what was the name?
1: Yeah, the name was Kili Gate, Kili standing for Kilimanjaro. So the idea was the gates to Kilimanjaro. And the idea was to stop the exploitation of porters by making it easy for travelers to only book with ethical climb operators. So what I did is I went to Tanzania, Um, I talked to the ethical um, operators and companies locally. And I said, look, i want to build this platform, work with me. And so I created this simple online tour booking platform for Kilimanjaro climbs and all the local companies that are ethical supported it and put their tours up. So, and it still exists. It's, uh, but we haven't been maintaining it. It's called kiligate.com. And it's in essence, a a tour booking or more or less a listing platform that lists ethical Kilimanjaro clients.
0: Okay. And, um, also, can you tell us, I would say, because as you know, the travel industry is quite crowded. So how would it decide you to create this company? Even you know that uh, it would be quite difficult to, let's say, make a name.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I did it. See, I didn't say, okay, I want to become a startup founder or want to enter the industry, and now what can I do? My approach was I had a problem as a traveler, and I wanted to solve that problem. And I hadn't done it if other companies and other platforms would already have solved that problem. So my attitude was... um, if we provide a useful product that travelers want, and that's currently not being offered anywhere in the market, because that's why I started it, then the demand will come. So yes, it's a crowded space, but um, I, I as a traveler, experienced myself that this kind of niche wasn't being served yet.
0: Another, I would say, missions, a mission. <laughs> which is called?
1: <laughs> uh, which is called fair voyage or fair voyage. Um, fair voyage meaning fair, travel, voyage being the French word of, of travel. So we have a lot of American clients who call it fair voyage. So I started to call it fair voyage myself. <laughs> so
0: um, can you tell us now the, how did you, from your last experience, would say did uh, the right thing, so did right this one, this time?
1: Sure. It's kind of, I would say, Fair Voyage is the second step of Killigate. So with Killigate, we learned um, a fair share of lessons. Um, And the biggest lesson was that just having a platform that lists products, that wasn't helpful or that wasn't really solving the problem. Yes, it was solving a problem to some extent to have a platform and then uh, climbers could see only these are the ethical companies and the products. But then clients and travelers were approaching us and said, well, which of those 100 clients should I book now? (laughs) And very soon we realized, okay, we had created a simple product listing platform, but it wasn't really helping travelers find now their number one best product for their needs. And and that has then evolved into the concept of saying we want to make multi-day trips, complex multi-day trips Easily comparable and customizable because that's what travelers really want. They want to personalize and customize uh, their specific requirements and then be able to compare directly online the office matching those requirements. And that's a niche that's currently not being served by anyone. And that we said, okay, this is what we need to do in order to encourage people to only travel sustainably with the right companies. We need to make these kind of trips easy for them. So it was really a lesson learned that complex experiences and complex multi-day trips um, need more than just listing products. They need personalization and customization and making them comparable at a deeper level. No one has really solved this problem well yet. Um, So that was the one lesson learned. And then the second one was to say, well, if we're already building such a platform and investing money in it and into IT and we want to recruit good people and eventually find investors... Then maybe if we limit ourselves to Kilimanjaro, that uh, may not go very far because the market is limited uh, to the size of Kilimanjaro, and it's not gonna excite eventually big money and and key team members that we need to find. So then we said, okay, if we already built this kind of system, then let's make it global. And so we decided to change the brand away from Kiligate because that would be limiting us to Kilimanjaro, and decided to have to do expand the mission to make. Ethical, responsible, sustainable traveling easy globally, not only for
0: Macharo. Okay, I see. And uh, my next questions is how did you, I would say, labeling, for example, your trip and to and then you can say this travel is, I would say, fair. So what are your, I would say, requirements when you are creating your itineraries?
1: Ah, okay, so you mean how we source the local operators yes. and how we verify that they are sustainable? Yeah. Very good question. So it depends a bit on the destination and what is available and makes sense for each destination. But to give you the example of Kilimanjaro, there is a very good local organization called the Kilimanjaro Porters Assistance Project, which is a Tanzanian profit, nonprofit organization that runs a voluntary program, um, a partner program for responsible travel that works in a way that companies can join without paying anything. However, they need to agree to have an anonymous investigative porter on each of their clients. And that okay. quarter comes back after each of the tourist trips of the tourist clients and reports to this independent organization how it really was. And thereby, um, this organization, the Kilimanjaro Quarters Assistance Project, or KPAP, they know exactly which clients have been meeting minimum ethical standards and which not. And the names of their partner companies are public, um, and and it means that so only companies who can actually prove that they adhere to minimum standards of Fair pay, fair um, enough food, uh, good equipment, and so forth, good safety standards. Uh, only the companies that are acting responsible responsibly qualify to be one of their partners. So there there is a really good local on-site audit and monitoring scheme in place. And so our requirement is that we only promote companies, that can prove that they are ethical by being on a voluntary basis monitored by this organization. So there's a real independent proof for every single client that is ethical. Now, it becomes a little bit more interesting when we expand to other destinations because um, such an on-site audit scheme is not yet available anywhere. However, it's a um, it's a growing trend or a niche that's uh, becoming more and more widespread and more and more well known and accessible. That um, there are responsible and sustainable tourism um, uh, travel audits. Yep. So, for example, in, in food, you may know fair trade, right? Fair trade coffee, yes. fair trade yeah. cocoa, um, and the same thing is happening now as well in travel. So there are a few global organizations, such as, for example, Travel Life, that are even accredited by the United Nations Global Sustainable Tourism Council for incorporating all the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals into their audit standards. And so these organizations conduct on-site audits of the actual operations of companies. So it means that if a company manages to obtain one of these really strict um, audits, Example, become travel life uh, certified. So, sorry, not to only obtain the audit, to um, go through the audit and pass it and obtain the certification. That means that these two operator is proving in their own operations that they're being sustainable in accordance with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So, we are what we want to avoid is calling companies sustainable simply because, you know, they donate to an orphanage or to some mm-hmm. other charity. What we are saying is the companies need to be sustainable in their own operations and ideally can prove it with an on-site audit.
0: And there is some kind of, I would say, greenwashing saying that, let's see, we are sustainable, but only on the appearance, not, I would say, yes. in act. So
1: Yes. And that's the problem. And that's what's confusing us travelers because, I mean, we all want to travel sustainably, right? It's becoming this growing concern and people are more and more aware of it. And so there has been this this like emergence of thousands of labels um, that you just buy, right? It's just like a membership. Oh, you pay a hundred a month for a year and then you get the green stamp. And there's just so many of these labels and most of them don't mean anything. It's not a real proof. It's just like a membership organization. Um, However, there are a handful of organizations that actually do real audits and real on-site monitoring and where the the certification really means something. Um, However, it's still for a lot of destinations, especially because we start in Africa, where this is still an ongoing trend. It's not yet very well established i mean it is kind of in, in Southern africa there are really good schemes and then as i mentioned there's one really good one for Kimanjaro. and then in kenya there are really good schemes for accommodation certifications but a lot of countries don't have these uh, good schemes yet so there what we do because then it's a question of saying okay do we not promote the country at all just because there is no scheme yet or is it still better to bring travelers there, but we do our best to to verify and curate these companies. And so we have decided, yes, we still want to promote destinations as well, even though there may not be an audit scheme, a good one in place yet. And then what we do, we meet the companies locally, we travel a lot, we go to travel conferences, um, we participate in trips as well, in educational trips, and there we rely to some extent on our own assessment as well and what we're planning to do and already doing is that when travelers come back from their trip we, we conduct a survey as well and we really see okay what have you as a traveler experienced as well so if there is any um if there was any greenwashing made that we are, are being made aware of we would no longer promote such companies
0: so in indian the, the travelers are i would say have some impact, I would say, positive impact when they are traveling. Not only because they travel and so on, but also they change also the the local environment and be, I would say, responsible in kind of way.
1: That's what we want to try and achieve. Yes, we want to. It it, it also requires education on our part to make people aware of what, um, you know, what is actually conscious traveling and what to watch out for. And I think in tourism, however. We need to be careful about that. It's a little bit dangerous. Um, I mean, there's problems in any industry that has global supply chains, be it the food industry, be it the fashion industry, where we all know there's dispatch shops in Bangladesh, right? And then we don't really know where our clothes come from. And so we know there is problems in these global supply chains. Now in travel, the interesting and dangerous thing is that we actually travel there And then we spend a week or two weeks in a destination and we come back and we believe we've seen it all. And as the example of Kilimanjaro and the story of my own tour guide um, shows, We travelers don't always see everything. We see very overt things, um, but things such as, especially on the ethical and social side, they're very hidden to us. We don't see how people get treated, how much they are paid, um, whether they get assisted if they have a work accident. Um, So these things, we also need to be careful not to only rely on travelers, but to include travelers in the process.
0: Okay. And what are, would say, the next plan (coughs) for your company?
1: Um, So the next plan, Yes. right now, so over the last year we have building, so this, what I explained earlier on, making trips customizable and comparable, we've been building such a system, such a technology um, that will allow us to do that. And we've also been building a tour operator system so that the responsible local companies can directly uh, promote their offering and communicate with the travelers. And so the big next step for us is opening up this platform to the local companies. We are currently in beta testing stage with our first partners, so that eventually this can become a platform for responsible companies um, to directly connect with the international travelers. That would be the big next step for us.
0: Okay. So in no plan for, for example, expanding to other continents, for example, Nepal, because there is also some issues with the portals also. Uh, down there.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We have big plans, actually. Even even maybe in one month, we will already be in Nepal. <laughs> so one of our colleagues, our sustainable travel advisor, just spent a month in Nepal and attended the Himalaya Travel Mart, mm-hmm. um, travel conference, and also did some educational trips. So definitely we want to go to Himalayas as well, and they also helped us solve the same problem with the ShareCast there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we want to make it global. The only reason we are not global yet is because we haven't yet um, opened up this platform I just mentioned mm-hmm. to the local companies. So these um, complex multi-day travel experiences to Africa, Nepal and, and other lower income regions in the world, um, they require a lot of travel advice. And I don't think we would be very credible if we started to give or call ourselves as expert mm-hmm. travel advisors for the okay. whole world. It just It does not make sense. We cannot do it. It wouldn't be um, high-quality advice, exactly. Um, And we don't want to give advice that's not correct and it's not scalable. So the only reason we we are not yet global is because we haven't yet opened up the platform to all the companies. But as soon as we are finished with our beta testing, in, in autumn, by autumn latest, we plan to open up this platform to the companies and then it will be companies globally. So then we will almost overnight become global.
0: Okay, so uh, thank you Alex for presenting your mission. I would say of, I think, world company, it's not correct uh, for you, what are you doing? So I would say mission. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my last and personal question is what was your most memorable travel, except the Kilimanjaro?
1: <laughs> oh, my most memorable travel. <laughs> I did something crazy two and a half years ago. I cycled by bicycle from Cairo in Egypt to Cape Town in South Africa. Okay. All the way through Africa. So I would say this was my most memorable travel. <laughs>
0: how, how long did you take for?
1: It took, it took four months. We went through, I think, 10 countries and over 11,000 kilometers. Uh, so maybe, maybe it doesn't qualify. It's not, a, it wasn't a vacation. It was hard work, <laughs> but it was definitely the most memorable and most um, inspiring and most um, the, the, the trip that has um, changed me most okay. and impacted my life the most.
0: Thanks for sharing with us. your, I would say, your big adventures and uh, last uh last but not least uh, how can we reach you on internet
1: you mean me personally or the company both (laughs) (laughs) so you can reach our company on our website at fearmoyage.com and you can reach me personally best via LinkedIn. Um, that's the social media platform I'm personally using the most. So anyone who wants to connect with me, I encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn.
0: Okay. So, Alex, thank you for your time. And uh, I wish you all the best for your project.
1: Thank you, Nali. Nice speaking yeah. to you. Thanks for having You're me.
0: Welcome.